This is Deep Blue, where we get the true life stories of BYU athletes, coaches, and fans. Here's your host, Jerem Jordan. On today's show, I talk with one of the best college and pro players in any sport the Cougars have produced, the first native Utah to make it to the LPGA Tour after dominating the Mountain West golf scene. A legacy golfer and her family paved her own way, and now she leads a very successful women's golf team at BYU. She's a baller, the competitor, the Cougar Hall of Famer, Carrie Roberts. What's up, Carrie? Ooh, what's up? How are you? I'm great. Good. Uh, you're in the BYU Hall of Fame now. That's as of... October 9th or something? That's October, crazy. right? Yeah, whenever that was. What an was. honor. September, yeah. It, yeah, super cool, honestly. Like the whole experience was super cool, cooler than I thought it would be. At first, I was just like, you know, when they called me, it was kind of like surprise, shock. Whoa, okay, cool. You know, no big deal, you know. And then as we as it got closer, closer, I was like, wow, this is uh, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, a lot bigger than I thought it would be, I guess. It was you and some other people. Jim Fredette was I've in never there heard too. of Jimmer, yeah. but yeah. maybe you have. It was the James. He goes by James to me. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> no, that was really cool. What uh what did that mean to you? Because you've had a lot of validating athletic moments in your life. But yeah. to be in that exclusive club is pretty special. Yeah, and I guess it does validate the success that you've had. You know, I, I knew I had had some success and and, you know, was really, you know, had a good time here and played really well. And yeah, I don't know. I guess it just does confirm, like, yeah, I guess you were pretty good. <laughs> I guess you were pretty good. Yeah. I don't know, you know. In 2019, you gave a devotional at BYU. Ugh. Where did that rank Oof. on the I'm nervous moments in your life? one. <laughs> top one. Maybe that and first time winning that conference in 2016 after not winning and, you know, and we were supposed to win. and As had, the coach of the women's golf team. Yeah, coach of the women's golf team. Team hadn't won in, 90, you know, Pepperdine had won 14 in a row. They were ranked top 20. You don't know. It, and, uh those two moments. But that, I remember sitting down in my chair and leaning over to my husband and said, I don't think I can get up. <laughs> like, I think I'm stuck in my chair. <laughs> you know, like, oh my goodness, what is happening to me right now? Would you rather putt for a title or <laughs> yeah. give that talk? Yeah, give me, give me, a, give me a putt. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. In that devotional, you'd said something that's just incredible. You talked about how when you were younger, and you can remind me what it was, your mom sort of changed your life when she said, listen, if you don't like it, then change it. Yeah. Will you re- uh, retell yeah. that story? Yeah, my brother was there. Bruce Jr. was there. And and I honestly don't remember exactly what was going on, but I do remember being frustrated, complaining, making excuses. How old were you? Um, I had to have been in elementary school, okay. you know, and, and my mom was just like, well, Carrie, like do something about it. Like if you don't like it, do something about it, change it. And I remember my brother as if we were standing here like, yeah. He called me Oog. Oog was my, I had an owl named Oogly. And he called me Oog. Yeah, Oog, change it. Like, you know, and I'm just like, what are you talking about? Like, no, like I've been wronged, you know, <laughs> like get on my side. You like, don't feel that way. Yeah, you know, and and um, and she's just like, no, like you can do something about this. She was super empowering, you hmm. know, like, and she just knew the mental side. And I don't know how she knew it or where she learned it and, and, you know, she had a very hard upbringing, but she was just like, you have to believe in yourself. You have to tell yourself you can do this. Like, don't give in to complaining excuses. Like, do something about it. Like, go work. Like, every cliche thing you'd ever say, that really was my mother. What was her upbringing like that, that so, was so difficult? Yeah, so her mother had uh, ovarian cancer when mm. she was eight years old and passed away. And they didn't tell the children. They sent them away. Can you believe this? There were five children, and she they knew she was dying. 
and they sent the children away to live with family. So she and her sister went to live in Long Beach with her aunt and uncle. And during the process, you know, and she remembers just being so excited. I mean, and, and she loved that time of her life. They said they took them everywhere, taught them how to uh, surf. You know, they took them to Disneyland all the time. She said it was the best two years of her life. She couldn't wait to come home and tell her mother. And lo and behold, her mother had passed away and she didn't even know it. And she, I mean, nine she didn't years even old, know. she did not know. Was it months after weeks? Yeah. I mean, no, no year and a half. Like she was there for a, I mean, a long time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so the, her wow. aunt and uncle grew so close to them and called, called her dad and said, we're either going to adopt her or you need to come get him. Like we're just growing too attached. And so the dad came and got him and he was just so distraught and whatever and you just didn't talk about things you know what I mean back then you just didn't talk about it and so she came back and they had to tell her like hey you know your mom oh my it, your mom passed away and so from nine years whatever and then her older sister got ovarian cancer and so the older sister was trying to help you know had her own family and and help raise the kids and then she passed away uh, several, yeah, years later from ovarian cancer. And so that was obviously, you could imagine the heart. So my mom said, she goes, you know, first time she shaved her armpits was with no water and just a razor. Like no one taught her how to shave. No one taught her, mm. you know, about growing up. She said she'd walk to school and, and grab a Snickers for breakfast. Like they just raised Why them. wait? They Yeah, why wait? <laughs> they just raised themselves. So she had this very difficult upbringing. You so know, when and, she says, if you want, it to be different yeah. and change it. You that comes it. from a place of she's that's why hardship. my mom is, is so strong. Mm. You know, and, and and you think about the strongest people in your life, they've gone through very hard things. Yes. Right? They're just they're fighters. Yes. And that was what my mother was. They know how to control the situation regardless yeah. of what's happening around. They know how to get through it somehow. Which is the hardest thing in life. Yeah. Because we all want to Yeah, like you said as a kid, like I've been wrong. I've been wronged. Help me be on my side. Someone do something for me. Yes. Yep. And and it's really interesting as a parent seeing this through my children because I can't tell you my, my son plays basketball and last year he's very talented. And so the coach is going to get on the ta- most talented, right? Like they expect more. And my son came home, you know, nine years old crying, right? And we're like, okay, what's going on? And my coach, you know, and he was mean to me. Well, what'd he say? You know, and and he was just pushing him totally normal coach thing to do. And so I just kind of looked, but you know what I mean? You could have taken it as, yeah, why are they being so hard on my kid? And there's definitely been times that I've thought that as a parent and had to turn it around and say, this is the pivotal moment in my child's life where I could make them a victim or I can make them tough. And it is so hard to do as a parent. I will I will tell you that because you hate it when someone gets, you know, but then from my eyes, right, I, I as a coach, I see it very, very differently of thank you, right? Like yep. I want to thank those coaches for getting yep. on my kid and then teaching my kid like you got to, you know, you got to deal with this. Wait till you're in college. Say you, say you play college ball and <laughs> you've got, you know, some nasty fans yelling at you. You'll be prepared. That's really interesting. And Mark and Leanne Pope were in here a couple weeks ago, and they yeah. talked about – because I said, I'm trying to teach my daughter how to lose. Yeah. She If she doesn't win, she's just really, really mad and then doesn't want to even try that sport again. Mm, interesting. She doesn't like sports, I think, yeah. because of this. I'm, yeah. I hope I'm not overbearing yeah. in any way, shape, or right. form. It's like, just have fun and play soccer. But she wouldn't try hard even. Yeah. You know? No, so I'm I like, have kids like that. I'm like, if you don't even try, yeah. now I'm mad. Yeah. <laughs> like, 100%. At least try. Yes. If you you know – yeah. You can enjoy it. But anyway, yeah. they talked about how, yeah, you, you need to figure out what that coach wants. Yeah. 
And then I thought, oh, what is that lesson for me? What does my boss want yeah. me to do? Like, what do you need from me? Yeah. And then do that. Because we all have our own agendas. But totally. the buy-in needs to be yeah. with the coach's vision. 100%. Have you found that as a coach? Yeah, absolutely. As a parent, like, listen. hey, everyone needs yeah. to buy into this. Yes. I And that's what I tell my kids is listen to your coach. Listen to understand. Understand what they're saying. And if you mm. don't understand, ask. Ask questions, right, so that you can know and understand and, and learn the game. Be a student of the game. Um, I think my daughter's tremendous. Like, she has a tremendous soccer IQ because of this. You know, she sought to understand and, and seeks to understand what he's doing, and she understands the game very well. Um, and, and that part, and then let's go work on it, right? And and we've taught our kids, and not that we're pros or not that we have it down, like, whatever. This is just what we do of – because my son's like that. He doesn't want to try anything that he's not because he's not good at it. You love and, what you're good at. You love what you're good but at. But you have to discover you grab, what you're good exactly. at. Exactly. And so we teach just try and then we preach work ethic, right? Like just keep working at it. You'll get better and do it every day. And once they do choose something, I mean, you, you better work at it. Like we're not doing this if you don't work daily and get better and teach them how to get better and how to work. And then all of a sudden they're really good and enjoy it, you know, and we try to teach that and everything. Just practice a little bit. How do you get better practice, you know? Hopefully they will and, you know – do different things, but it's hard, man. Like I was the same way. Like I don't want to do it, you know. I'm yep. not gonna sing in front of you. I'm not good. One of yes, a couple. But of I years. might belt the anthem. There you go. <laughs> there you go. In the press box uh, the other day in, in a football game, my my boss was right next to me. Yeah. And the anthem started playing, and I whispered to him, "How much money would I have to pay you, real quick, to yeah. sing the whole like loud in here?" Yeah. And I said twenty bucks. He goes, "No." I go fifty. No. 100 no i was like okay really i couldn't get him to do it yeah but yeah interesting a couple years ago but that's the point yeah yes a couple years ago a few friends of mine convinced me that hey let's go skiing i'd never been skiing yeah i'm not good on my feet yeah i've didn't skateboard growing up rollerblade roller yeah. skate water ski nothing yeah. wakeboard wakeboard i can like get up for like 30 seconds and i'm down yeah i can't do anything cool i can't go across the wake nothing uh-huh. they convinced me to go skiing <laughs> I, they go down once or twice with me and then they just yeah. leave me it was one of the worst experiences yeah. of my life. But I was like, was there value in at least trying? Sure. I discovered that I didn't like it that much. If yeah. I wanted to, I'd keep going and try. But yeah. like, you have to at least try. You have to at least I, try. I agree. You have to at least try. We I did the even, same thing even... with ice skating. Really? I It was a hockey class, but I yeah. didn't even know how to skate. Yeah. That's one of the most embarrassing moments of my it, entire I life, Carrie. It was so bad. <laughs> I wish we could find that. <laughs> Nowadays, it would definitely be on film. It'd be on a TikTok. Seven It'd Peaks be has it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, I, I agree. Like value in trying, like even like food, like, yep. you know, my, we make we make our kids like a New Year's resolution is try new things, you know, like just just try it. You don't have to do it. You don't have to commit to it, but you have to try it. Like and and lo and behold, my son eats avocado toast, you there know, you go. like why? Well, because we made him try and he goes, wow, this is really good. Yeah. You know, like at yeah, least try it. At least try it. You never know. Yeah. You might find your next true love. That's true. That's true. OK, so. um Let's talk about your family and sort of growing up. We talked yeah. about your mom a little bit. Obviously, your dad is a golfer. Did your mom golf too? No. Mom didn't golf? No. Dad loved golf from yeah, when he was so, little and then oh, the yeah. Summer Hayes family. Yeah. So my dad's dad was a big golfer and loved golf. Got him started. They lived next to the country club and would hop the fence. You Here know? in Provo? No, Salt Lake Country Club. Gotcha. And they would hop the fence and play. And, and, nice. And he's like the pro for sure, no, but, you know, he's growing the game. <laughs> so my dad just grew up loving it, loving it, loving it. So he was a, um, you know, he coached, he, well, right out of college, I think he missed a tour, and so he went and he was at the, he was at um, 
oh, some, some good courses down in San Francisco, you know, whatever. And then he became the Stanford golf coach, 78, 77, 78, you know, Pac-12 coach of the year. And then got a job at, at Wasatch Mountain Golf Course in Heber, Utah in January of 1980. And I was born in, in June of 1980. And so he was the pro there. And so, I mean, when you're the youngest of eight kids, mom's like everyone out the door, go to work with dad. And that's just, just what we did. And he loved it. And you know, helped us love the game and never pushed us, never, but if you love it, do it, great, you know, and if not, I don't care. But, yeah, just what we did. And then he, I think in, um, I think it was 14, he decided to Champions Tour, go for it, qualify. And my dad won everything. Like, you have to understand, like, as, as, a, as an amateur, he won everything. Like, I think there was a year in the state of Utah he won every amateur event. And he was always winning Utah section events. Like, he was just good. And um, so he ended up going to Q school and qualifying. And all of a sudden, my dad's on the Champions Tour, you know, and, and being very successful. I mean, top 10 Tony, top 10 my dad. My dad was the Ironman. He took top 10 every, every week. It was, it was awesome. Our lives completely changed. And here we are. Where'd you move after that? Or did you stay in the same place? We stayed in Utah. Um, so, we st- so I was born and raised in the same house, 1980. And then they actually moved when I was like a sophomore in college, junior college, to Farmington, a little closer to the airport. Um, they must have loved Lagoon. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Never went to Lagoon. I was in college, so yeah. I rarely went You were home. past that. Yeah, I was past Lagoon. Because you went to Wasatch. Yeah. That, hey, yeah. that makes sense. Okay, that. Yeah, I went to Wasatch High School and then um, – yeah, the move there, and then, yeah, he had a great career. We caddied for him every summer. I got to caddy for him. I mean— What was that like? It was awesome. Talk about an education. I mean, I was 14 years old, I think 15 maybe, and he had the lead. It's going on Sunday, going on the back nine. And Lee Trevino shoots five under to beat him, but he's down, I think, two— with two poles to go, chips in on 17. Highlight. I mean, I us, love that you remember all this. Us high fiving. I yes. mean, I'm 15 years old. Yeah. I'm just like, let's go. You know, and he turns to me and we're just like celebrating, having that moment. Part ends up parring 18, losing by one. Mm. But, you know, that. Which event was this? Uh, it was at Silverado, Napa, the Transamerica, I think it was was called or something. Um, and then, yeah, so every summer I just traveled with my dad. We caddied, we played, we practiced and it literally like, and I was, he taught us, I guess, to be a student of the game. And I, I remember going up to everybody just asking him like, how do you do that? Why do you do that? You know, and just learning and growing. And it was an incredible experience to see my dad compete and how in it he actually was and to learn. I mean, cause he would teach, right? Like he would teach us what he was doing and, and it was it was that's the the highlight is just seeing seeing him compete and being in it. Most people don't get to watch their dad at work. Yeah, like be there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now you're actually giving him tips that may <laughs> help him succeed or Possibly. fail. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did he ever ignore your advice? Oh sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And He's but like, he would let you know if nice you were try. wrong. <laughs> yeah. He'd say, well, I think this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he was a he was competitor. You know, he would be mad. Is this at where you, you get it? Because Brian Santiago oh, yeah. told me you're the most competitive person he's ever met. Yeah. Did he really? About you. Yeah, I am. I am. I mean, my whole family's competitive. I mean, I have four brothers, three sisters, and my brothers were just fierce, you know, and they never let up on you. Never. Where does this come from? Your dad? Was uh, your mom dad competitive? Dad and mom. My mom loves sports. My mom kept the stats of the Yankees baseball games. She'd listen to them on the radio and take stats. She loved the Yankees? She loved sports. Yeah, she loved the Yankees. Oh, wow. And she loved all sports. She would take stats. Um, she can do a scorecard. Yeah, absolutely. She that's amazing. Scorecard. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she loved sports. We were always watching sports. Like that's just what was on. That's what we enjoyed watching. We always went. Uh, 
I don't know if I can say this on here, but the University of Utah games, um, diehard Ute fans. You've come around. It's all good. That's where my parents went. <laughs> um, you know, my grandpa was a coach there. He coached skiing. He coached football. He played, you know, triple threat. He was a triple threat at football um, for the Utes. And so, I mean, we grew up going to everything and just watching everything and playing everything with each other. And and I don't know where it came from, but I am fiercely competitive. Well, it sounds like, yeah, grandpa competed. yeah. yeah. You don't compete at a high level and not want to win. Those yeah, people don't get to. to that level. Yeah, you have they to just hate don't. to lose. You have yeah. to hate to lose, yeah. right? That that old quote. Do you love? Yeah. What do you love more, winning or hating to win? Yeah, 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 exactly. Do you love winning or hating to win? Yeah. Okay, so when you're younger, tell, give me the landscape at the time. Let's see. You said eighty. You were fourteen. Like in '94. Yeah. Girls golf, mm-hmm. women's golf, because it's grown a lot. Mm-hmm. What's it like back then? As because didn't you play on the boys' golf team in yeah, high I had school to play too? Yeah, played on the boys' golf team, and I actually didn't play until my senior year. We would have taken state because you know there was a, a the golf coach wouldn't let me play. I played soccer, so because you were a girl or because you're no nope, playing he, soccer. He just yeah didn't want me to play both sports. Mm. Like come on, you know what I mean? Like what? I'm not going to practice. You're like, obviously pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm probably <laughs> going to practice. He regrets it now. Like, I know who he is, and he regrets it now. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I just always played golf. I just wanted to play something different and um, played. I just tried out for the soccer team, made it, was started varsity as the goalie. And you so were I, a goalie. Yeah, okay. I was goalie. And so I played a bunch of different sports, and then I didn't play senior until my senior year. I felt like maybe I needed to play golf. Were you playing? Oh, wait, wait, what? Did you just tell me that you got, like, a scholarship? Without playing high school golf, like oh, just yeah. from what you were doing, yeah. outs- high school I, golf didn't matter. Maybe no, in that, okay, it, it, it's not big even now. You don't really gotcha. look at high school. Yeah, there's so much outside, like junior tournaments, summer gotcha. tournaments. Yeah, that's how I w- was recruited because of that. Um, to some degree, that's getting into other sports. Like in soccer, it's like yeah. club volleyball club. Correct. The high school's like fun in your neighborhood. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you didn't really have club back then, mm. but golf was different, right? Like you golfed in the summer. There was Utah Junior Golf Association. There was enough for girls 100%. for you to be seen. Okay, yeah, good. Hundred percent. I don't know how it's evolved or not. Yeah, 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 yeah. enough to be seen. Nice. Um, they had national tournaments. Not a, not a lot of them, but enough. Um, so I'd qualify for those. You know, win a lot in Utah. Um, yeah, and that's how I got got recruited. But yeah, the coach wouldn't let me play both sports, so I was like, "Final two soccer." <laughs> like, I play enough golf. And I remember though my freshman year because my brother was a senior. He didn't really care. He should have pushed me. But there was another kid that was just like, "Come on, if you play, we'll win state. We'll win state." You know, and and but I I just I was like, "No, bro." You know, kind of wish I would have now. But I love soccer. I loved playing. Like it was good. Did you play a year soccer in, uh, of golf in in high school? I played my senior year, senior, just one year. On the boys' team? On the boys' team. Did they not have a girls' team? Correct. They didn't have girls' golf then. Didn't have girls' golf, straight no. up. which was good for me. I mean, I got some dates, got to hung out with cute boys. <laughs> <laughs> there you great. go. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so you get a scholarship to BYU. Yeah. Who took second in the recruitment? Where did you almost go? Oh, uh, schools. Well, I, I was did seriously— Did Utah have a women's golf no, team? They, no, they didn't. Would they, you have gone there if they did? I don't know. Mm. I'll be honest. I don't know. Um, BYU is a far better university, like, you know, academically, um, has the environment that I wanted. Um, I was looking at several, like UCLA was the top 25, Oklahoma State was in the top 25, New Mexico all was in the top 25, all interested. Ooh. Yeah. Giving me big offers and went and visited them and just, I was just like, what am I, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, and I just had the belief that I could be great anywhere and go pro anywhere. 
you know, and so, and then, you know, my dad gave me some, you know, back then you didn't sign early. Like I was at my kitchen table on signing day with, with my letters from all of them. That and, you have to fax back in. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and, and I remember just asking my dad, I was kind of just, I knew I should go to BYU, but I didn't want to. You know, like, Why didn't you want to? Well, Growing I, up a Ute? I, I grew up a Ute. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everything about BYU just was not appealing, was not positive. Although my brother had played golf there and told me how awesome it was. Like, Carrie, you know, it's going to be awesome. You're worried for nothing. And uh, I asked my dad, what, what should I choose? Like, where should I go? And he said, well, what do you want? And I said, what do you mean, what do I want? And he goes, well, That's the question. You brought this up in your devotion. Yeah. He, yeah so I remember just, he goes, well, what do, we want, what do you want out of life? And they, they, they did not influence my decision at all. They didn't even really talk it through with me. Like, it was just like, go on your visits, figure it out, go choose where you want to go. What kid are you in the line of, what'd you say, eight? I'm eighth of eighth. You're the eighth of eighth. Yeah. <laughs> Is this because you're the youngest? And they're Maybe. like, listen. Probably. We know We're that done. you're just going to do what yeah. you want. I mean, I changed my own diapers. <laughs> I mean, I made my own lunches. It was like, by the time you're, you know, yeah, like, yep, just good. raise yourself. You're fine. You'll figure <laughs> it out. You know, but my that's just my parents, though. Like, they just stay out of your business. Like, they really do. And um, and I was just like, yeah, I got to go to BYU. And I, and I knew I was going there. I really did. How'd you know that? Uh, it felt right. And it's what I wanted. It had the life I wanted. It had the environment I wanted. You know? was, did, was there a moment when you were here that validated that? Where you were like, I made the right decision. Or was it just yeah, good the whole time? Yeah, it felt good the whole visit. Yeah. Yeah, it felt good the whole visit. I had friends coming. Oh, the recruiting visit. Uh-huh. The recruiting visit. Yeah, it just felt good. It felt a lot better than the other schools. You know, and I'm a lot on feeling. And it, I just, it felt, it felt right. And high school friends were here or something? You yeah. Said? Had some high school friends coming. And I knew a couple of the recruits coming. Um, yeah. You could. Competed against perhaps yeah, or something. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you uh, do you share that with uh, the women you recruit now? Sort of yeah. your experience here. Obviously, Absolutely. going to that school helps. Oh yeah. Right. Oh, hundred percent. Oh yeah. I just I loved it. I talk about yeah. Obviously, like yeah, you're nervous. You're worried. You know, you don't know what you're getting into, and BYU is unique. But you're gonna love it. I mean, you're gonna meet the you know the people here are amazing, and I I tell them to pay attention to how you feel. Because you'll feel great, you know, and that's just a validation that this is a pretty good place and a place where you should be. Whether that's tied into the Holy Ghost or not, <laughs> right? Sure. But a comfort yeah. of, yeah, I like being around here and yeah. and it's not forced and it's not, that matters, especially in a new place. In yeah. like four years of your life, maybe five. Yeah. Are there red shirts in yeah. golf much? Uh-huh. You do uh, it? No, no, not much. But you can? Uh-huh. Hmm. Every once in a while we have a red shirt and... It's, yeah, super rare. Usually you just play your four and go. What do you want? I love that question because I've used that same one in the conversation about uh, BYU football yeah. and scheduling specifically. Yeah. Like, what do you want out of BYU yeah. football? Yeah. Do you want a 10-plus win season? Then you probably need an easier schedule. Except this year it's been totally different. BYU's yeah. been awesome. Yeah. It's been crazy. So, yeah, what do you want out of the thing? Then that will dictate the steps leading to that 100%. place. I love that question. Well, and a lot of people don't get that, don't understand that. I can't tell you how many people responded to me of, I don't know my why, I don't know my purpose. And mm-hmm. it literally was just, well, what do you want? That's you know your why. I mean? Those they, are the yeah, same thing to you? They had ne- yeah, to me, yeah. Like, that's how you figure it out, right? Uh, of, well, what do you want? Who do you want to be? Like, you know, and it was, it was it was shocking the amount of people that weren't living a life they wanted to live. Are you talking recruits now? No, just when people. You were- just, just people. Oh, after people I in gave, general. After I gave my devotional, how many people reached out to me ah. for help of figuring out their why, their purpose, 
you know what I mean, living a life they wanted to live. Yes. And it, it just by not thinking it through of, well, what do you want? You know, like, yeah. What kind of life do you want to live? Like, like that. Like, what yeah. kind of schedule? Like, if you want a, a New Year's Six, well, your 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 plan has to be a little different than yes. if you want a ten and O season. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Because then it feels like you connect to okay. If you don't like it, then change it. Change Essentially, it. Essentially, where are you going? And, and then yeah. line that up and do exactly. that stuff. But the belief that you have the power to change it. And that's, that's what a, a lot of people thing. don't understand is that you have the power to change it. Yes, it might be difficult, but you have that power and you can change it. That's a very powerful thing. Very powerful. I'm thinking about like my own parents' divorce. Mm. You know what I mean? And like my mom was like, no. And my dad's a good dude. I'm not throwing him under the bus. But right. it was probably a good thing for both. It was probably right. a good thing for me, honestly. I moved to a different place. I gained certain friends that changed yeah. my life. Interesting. Had I lived in the other place, would have been a, I would have been a different person. Interesting person I didn't want to be. Right. Um, but I was surrounded by great people that really helped me yeah. after that. And it's like, yeah. oh, that needed to happen for me. Yeah. That right. needed to happen, which right. is crazy. Yeah. Okay. So you you decide you're coming to BYU. Yeah. And then you're you're freaking awesome at BYU. What was <laughs> what was the golf like for you at BYU that eventually helps you get to the pros? Yeah. Um and I have to div. I gotta dig back into the memories. You know what I mean. But the, the golf was <laughs> awesome. You know what I mean. And it, and I remember my first tournament was at Hobble Creek actually. And I think I shot eighty my first round. And then I was like, you can do better than that. Like what the heck? Hey, it's and narrow. I, yeah, it's freeze. And then uh, yeah, <laughs> it's my home and, course here. Is it really? I love where I live now. I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. love Hobble Creek. It's like if beautiful. someone asked me what's one of your favorite, I say Hobble Creek. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was my first tournament. I remember thinking. And I remember seeing where I was placed, and I'm like, I can move up to top 20. And I remember playing really well the next day, and I'm like, I think I can get top 10. You know what I mean? And then and I remember that thought process of just being like – and I remember the thought process of, okay, if you're not able to win this week, if you just keep it together, you're going to take top 10. As you a know? freshman, are you and thinking top, this? Yeah, as a freshman. So yeah. right out of the gates, you're like, yeah, hey, this is a little uh, – I can do this. I can do this. Yeah. yeah. At, at first, you're not sure. You know, and then I just remember being like I wanted to be the number one player, you know, and I remember Jamie. On your own team? Jamie Stevenson, yeah, was awesome. You know, I looked up to her and she was so good. And But every part of me wanted to beat her every single time. And that was kind of my motivation as, as a freshman. As that competitor. Yeah, as that yeah. competitor. And it, it drove me. And, you know, eventually I was able to do that, right? And then it was like, okay, now what? You know, like let's be player of the year and, and just set bigger goals and literally just winning, though. I mean, I just – if you asked me what were my goals, I just wanted to win <laughs> every time. And that's and what I tried to do. And if not, I knew if I just held it together mentally, I could be, you know, top 10, top 20. And then you climb into that space yeah. and then you become really good. When when does the LPGA Tour sort of become something in your mind that you're like, hey, that's possible? When does that start? Yeah, honestly. Had it already been when you yeah, were younger? Yeah, 100%. It's what I've always wanted to be. So this is just the next step. This is just the next step. There was no other plan. There was no other backup plan. You know how everyone's like, oh, I'll have a backup plan in case. I didn't have a backup plan. (laughs) That's what I was going to do. No parachute. No parachute. That's what I was going to do. And there was no doubt in my mind that's what I was going to do. That's what I worked for. That's what I played for. That's what I prepared for. Like, that was just the next step. Are you, when you're in class, are you thinking about golf? Sure. In terms of the, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, but, I, but I'm going to. I'm here. I'm trying to get a degree. Yeah. And now you're coach, so you have to preach yeah. academic. Yeah. But 
when I was in school, honestly, I wasn't a great student because yeah. I was so focused on yeah. my sport, yeah. broadcasting, if you will. Yes. That I sort of regret like not being yes. a little more engaged. Hundred percent. Some of the time. Hundred percent. Like I, I was a good. I tried yeah. hard. There are yeah. a few classes I did not do well in. Yes. Because I was thinking about broadcasting. Yeah, that's my story. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I majored in golf. You know, you majored like in like golf. I was here to play golf. School I love got in golf. the way of my education. School got in the way. Yeah. Yeah, and I do wish. Yeah, I'm like, man. If I could have taken this class, this class, this class. I guess my fallback was a degree. Mm-hmm. You know, I, was, sure. I, I knew like if I have a degree, I can do something. I'll figure it out. Yes. You know, like and that at least needs to be the case for all the student athletes. hundred percent. Because hardly anyone goes pro. It's hard. It's very hard. And, and you might go pro and make it a little bit like I did, but get your butt kicked. You know, it's yeah. very, very hard. Yeah, but no, that was always what I wanted to do. If you asked me when I was five, I would have said I'm going to be a pro golfer. You knew then. Yeah, hundred percent. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Is that 100% because your dad and your siblings, or was there... No, I just, that's what I wanted to do. You wanted to do it? Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. My dad wasn't even a professional. Uh, he was a club pro, you know what I mean, at a, at a course. But, but you're he, rounded enough to be yeah. influenced to the point where you're like, yeah. this but is they the also, thing that is there if I want it. Exactly. But they also had the, the, you know, there were no limitations in my family. That's what she wanted to be, go work for What do you mean it. by that? Like, meaning if you want to be a pro golfer, you could you can, go, but work hard for it. You just have to work harder. You know, like, oh, you want to be this? Okay, great. But here's the plan to get you there. And if that's what you want, go do it. And if you're going to do it, you better do it. You know, there there were no limitations on what we could be or what we wanted to do. It was just, mm. okay, if that's what you want to do, then here's your path. And you go take it. I love that. Yeah. You've talked about win the day. Yeah. The mantra. All the time. For the team. Tell me yeah. more about that phrase and why that matters. Well, you know, Oregon football does it, right? And I, and I caught on to this. And it's just a way to own the process, right? To not be so wrapped up in the outcome, but just to work really hard and get a little bit better every day and feel like you do. I mean, how much confidence comes from thinking, yeah, I got a little bit better today, right? And I know how. And so we created kind of a system of journaling and and practicing to where you know you did get better and you know why you're good. And and so you feel like, you know, you're winning the day and just – I mean, you build your confidence by feeling like you got a little bit better. And that's reality, honestly, right? Like, let's be real. You're just going to get a little bit better. You're not mm-hmm. going to take that next step tomorrow. I got 17% better. What? How do you know you Compound won- interest. Right. I mean, right? right? And that's what we preach is just it compounds for sure. How do you know you won the day? You talked about you have a system. How do you know? Yeah, well, I don't know if I want to give all my secrets, but we journal, you know, and, and Craig Manning's helped us, right, with finding what you're good at and finding what you need to improve upon. And, and we just try to get as detailed as possible. It's different for each kid, but understanding what makes you good, how you execute. And if you can understand how you execute every shot, boom. And if you're reinforcing that and perfecting it and know it's getting better, you can see it's getting better because you're doing it better. You're executing it better. Mm. But then we write it down in detail. Craig Manning so it. is perhaps the genius behind BYU 100%. Athletics, who has moved on to the Milwaukee Bucks, by the way. Who wants no credit, wants no name. I mean, no one ha- knows who he is. Have you ever seen anybody like that? No. He, I mean, he he. Let's give credit where credit is due, right? Yes. But he's not on Instagram. He's not on Facebook. I Nothing. love the guy. He was the women's tennis coach for a while. Yep. I did a story with him like in 08 or something yeah. on True Blue or something. Cool. He eventually becomes, uh, you know, the the sports mental health, yeah. sports psychology guy. Yep. And he's so good. He's talking to Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks a couple months ago. They won the NBA title. Yeah. And they're like, hey, just come here full time. And this is our first semester, I think, right? Yeah. Without him full time. Yeah. Seems like 
everyone's doing all right. We're okay. <laughs> but, but it's a big deal, right? We're okay. Maybe not to have them, but uh, hopefully yeah. we'll we'll keep going and learn from those things. So what is it that he kind of added that has helped BYU immensely over the last decade or so? Yeah, to understand what works and what doesn't. You know, like he he's he's so good about um, you. You'd be surprised at how much the mental is physical. You know, and and that's what he helped me understand. Yogi Berra, that quote. It really? Yeah. Well, we, we joked like, oh, uh, baseball is 60% physical, 78% yeah. mental. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, like, yeah, what? Yeah, exactly. What? You're blowing my mind right now. But, you know, and so he's helped be able to teach the process and to be I, to be able to identify exactly what's going on with the kid and what area that need they need to focus on, right? And, and it's not just the coach saying – this Correct. is physically what I need you to do. Correct. Kind of going into this mental space, which right. whether you watch Ted Lasso or not, there's right. a sports psychologist in that. Correct. She changes things. Correct. And there's so much, there's way more value today yes. in that position than was ever perceived. We're understanding it. Yep. Yeah, we're understanding it. And great, great people always did this. They just didn't know what they were doing or what it was called. But 100%, they just naturally did it because they wanted to win so bad and hated to lose that they un- they figured out what was working, what didn't, and stopped doing that, right? So 100%, they've always done this. They didn't need their help to do it. You know, now we need now we think we need someone to tell us, right? <laughs> but But that's what he's good at is just, you know, helping you identify the real issue and being able to hit it, but being able to rewire your brain in a way that helps you be productive always. Yeah. It's really interesting, and I'm fascinated by the idea that everyone receives and expresses mm. things differently. Mm-hmm. And that would be so challenging Oof. for a coach. I manage yeah. 12 students. They're my team, if you mm-hmm. will, um, the social media team. I've got to understand how everyone receives yeah. feedback, how they take criticism, yeah. what they do well. Yeah. That's a real challenge. It's hard. It's a there's big, a lot yeah. going on. As a coach, how do you sort of manage that part where – Hey, there's the physical, yeah. emotional, mental, yeah. spiritual here. Yeah. I get it wrong first. <laughs> you <know laughs> That's how I mean? you figure it out. That's how you figure it out is you you fail first and you you yell at a kid and they're crying. You're like, oh, okay, you're the one I can't yell at. You know what I mean? Like, okay. So I got to give them a hug. You know what I mean? And and But honestly, I try to just get to know my kids as much as possible, like really understand them and understand how they think and how they tick and, and just communicate and have a relationship with trust where we can communicate with each other of saying, coach, I didn't like that. You know what I mean? But it, how, how do you do that? How do you get to know them? In that well, way? luckily I only have eight kids, right? Like, so I meet with them often. We'll go to lunch with them. I talk to them a lot and just get to know their life, get to know how they think through things and, and how they process information and how they learn and how they like to practice and, and what their family's like and, and yeah, how they think, you know, right? Like and how they want to work and jive. And, and I try to get them to secretly coach themselves Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So then I can interject and then I kind of learn how they do things and, and, and things like that. But I teach them correct principles. And yeah. Themselves. <laughs> yes. Joseph Smith, right? That's yeah, a, that's but a good as, one. as much as I can get to know them, just spend time with them. Talk, yeah. Just talk to them. Get them to open up. And and with the team with of eight yep. and golf where you're spending, yeah. the event is not one day. Yeah. It's several days, right? Yeah. That's crazy. unique, I it's guess. It's very unique. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I mean, and that's what people don't understand about our girls. They're playing 36 holes, walking, pushing, carrying their bags on Monday and then having to do it all over again on Tuesday. And and that's the thing about our competition is you look at some of these 
you know, track events where they literally just run a hundred yard sprint. You know what I mean? They're done. Where ours is you play 18 holes, you know exactly where you sit. Now you got to do it again. Right. And then you got to do it one more time. There's so much more added pressure and thinking and emotions to that, that makes it very, very unique and challenging, but also great at the same time. What kind of steps are we talking about? Oh, wow. 20,000, 20,000 at least. Oh my gosh. Easily. Is there fatigue on day three yeah. on the legs? Yeah. Like that everyone's battling, I suppose. Yeah, I'd never thought about that part of it, like yeah. the legs. I The next day, I'd always wear tennis shoes because your feet hurt so bad. You'd go from Yeah, golf shoes to golf tennis shoes, shoes to tennis the next shoes. day because it was just like, <laughs> gosh, my feet hurt, you know, but you got to go do it again. Back to your LPGA uh, Tour career. Yeah. What was it like to compete on the tour, to have that validation of like, I'm a tour player, like yeah. I'm good enough for this, and yeah. sort of whether you meant to or not, sort of carry the legacy of your family as well. Yeah, never. And at rep BYU and Utah and yeah. all this stuff, right? Yeah, and you don't even think about that stuff, you know what I mean? You honestly don't. Um, but it, it's interesting to where, you, you know, what happened with me is I, I qualify. It's just like, whoa, that was awesome. But then your mind goes to, am I good enough? You know what I mean? So I, I feel like my mental kind of got me on the tour and my mental kind of took me off the tour of, I don't know if I'm good enough. These guys are so good. You know what I mean? And not laying out a plan, just be like, hey, let's go work our butt off and, and find a way. It was, you know, kind of that aspect of, of, wow, they're really good and I got to dedicate my life. Do I want to do that? You know, like either I go all in or have a life, you know, all in and this is everything we do or, but yeah, I mean it, but it was, yeah, validating like, wow, you made it. You set out to do something. You did it. That was pretty awesome. And you said we, uh, you and your husband Corey. Yeah, he was the caddy, right? Yeah, he. That's caddy pretty for fun. Me. Yeah, and it, it. We actually got married like a week before Q school, a couple weeks before Q school. I don't know how that happened, but um, <laughs> kind of riding a high into Q school, went through Q school, and it was funny because people asked me like, "What was what was better, qualifying or, you know?" And I was like, "I, I declined to." <laughs> no, but you're right. I mean, there's two awesome, amazing moments back to back. It was a. It was awesome, yeah. Yeah, what's, Corey was my caddy. What's Q school like to try and qualify? Ooh, qualifying. It's intense. Yeah. First, you you might as well get through your first time because you don't know what's going on. You know what I mean? You don't know how intense that this literally is your life the next year. Like either you have a job or you don't have a job, and there's a ton of pressure. And it was shocking to see people who stepped up and people who didn't. Who would choke? What, what's the process? Because like? they knew that pressure. Oh my yeah, gosh! Yeah. Like, well, I mean. I think I think the top 20 got their cards when I was doing it. And so, I mean, it was four rounds. Well, it was stages, right? We had three stages. And, oh, well, if you want to hear a story, I mean, my very first stage, um, we're playing in Florida. And I think in the first, second round, I have a person who doesn't speak English. We're going through my card. Start on the back nine. And we get done, and I'm holding my card. I turn in my card, and I walk away thinking – I, th- I don't think I signed the right score. And it's literally only me that knows, right? So I could easily just walk away. But literally, I'm just like, I think we got a hole wrong. You know, and so I walk back, ask them what I got on hole four. My, I knew my mom was keeping my score. I said, Mom, what did I get on hole 14? She goes, you know, four. And I'm like, I just I just signed for a lower score. I'm disqualified. So I had to walk back to the tent and disqualify myself at Q school, my only dream, right? And knowing that I would not get another chance. And so I walked back and, and so cried for probably a week straight, literally probably at least three, four days straight. 
Um, and But back in the day, they had a second chance qualifier. And it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because, of course, I'm extremely motivated and easily got through that on to the next stage, final stage. And then the final stage, it was just like, hey, what do I need to do, right? So I play the first round, and I just remember being so incredibly locked in knowing I had to just be incredibly focused. I mean, I'd never, I've never been locked in like that. And I remember getting the results after a couple of days, and I wasn't in the top 20. And I was like, okay, I got to go deeper. Like, I got to do better. And the next day I did. And then the final round was something that, um, I mean, I couldn't tell you. The last three holes, I think I was shaking. Like, the last three, just knowing, like, I knew I was close. I knew I was right there. I was playing well. And just, like, I remember 17, I had to hit, it like, a seven wood into the, you know, it was a long par four. I remember hitting that this, like, just almost, like, not thinking and just kind of just, you know what I mean, that that zone and hitting the best shot on 17. And I remember 18 was like your heart is beating out of your chest. Like literally, you can literally feel your heart beat out of your chest. Pipe my drive and literally barely held on, had a 12-footer, barely missed that, made par. And by my mom's reaction, I thought I had missed it. You know, I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't play good enough. And I walked off and I think I was like one out of it. But then I can't tell you, I mean, person after person came through and just choked, choked, choked. And here I was like plenty through. Like it was eye opening how many people choked. Wow. Yeah. Suzanne Pedersen, you know, I don't, you know, long time, you know, Solheim Cupper, European choked in front of me. Like it was, and here I am. I'm like, you know, I, I was clutch down the stretch, I guess. Was that the most clutch you'd ever been, or was there another sure. time where you were like, no, 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 it was better? No, that was, was that was pretty clutch. Given the stakes? Yeah. Nothing's like, I mean, you've heard the stories of Q School. Like, it's it's something else. Yeah. That was pretty clutch. So when you get through, when do you find out, hey, you made it? And that, what was that right moment then. Like? like? Right then. Yeah. You're just watching people. Yeah. And, you're like, and, and I'm seeing myself move up, move up. And right then I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I'm on tour. Like, let's go. And then how long were you on tour and what was it like? A couple of years. We played a couple of years off and on. It was hard. It was a struggle. Yeah. Was it different than what you thought it'd be? 100% mm. different. Yeah. Um, you don't realize the grind week to week, the pressure that's on yourself. I mean, if you don't make it money, you don't make money. Like if you don't make the cut, you don't make the cut. Like you are, it is you. And they didn't have a ton of sponsors back then. Pink sponsored me. Um, I got Titleist a little bit, Nike a little bit, but nothing like enough to like pay expenses, right? And Corey's like, I need to be tipped here. <laughs> yeah, he got everything, whatever. <laughs> he got 100%. Um, yeah, and so the pressure of it and just all that added, like it's your job now and like getting better and just like, wow, I've got to beat Annika Sorenstam. I'm like, holy cow, you know? And so it was, it was a very difficult, very... I mean, I love the experience, and I wish I could have done it a little bit longer. But, yeah, I mean, it was – it's hard. It's hard. So once you're done on the tour, yeah. now what? So um, we – Corey decides to go to law school. He's always wanted to go to law school. Um, and so he goes to law school. We travel with my parents and save up some money um, so we could pay for law school. And he goes to the University of Texas School of Law, great law school. And I have Mary. Um, we moved. She was two months old. I have a kid. And we're just trying to figure out what to do, you know, like figure out what I'm supposed to do. And so, you know, a year or two goes by and I'm just like, 
gosh, I, I need something, you know, and, and, and I actually started teaching lessons. I said, well, I'll just teach lessons. So in many Austin? people were asking, uh-huh, in Austin. So many people were asking me for lessons. And um, so I just, I had like 20, 30 people doing lessons. And I was like, okay. You're pretty busy. I'm pretty busy. This is cool. You know, give me something to do. But then after a time, I'm just like, I am, I am not enjoying this. This is not what I want to do. And so I actually, to get rid of people, I raised my rates and they kept paying. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> whoa, that's all I had to do was raise rates? Like what? It's Austin, baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, but it was fun getting these kids into golf and, and, and things like that. And, but then I'm just like, this is not this is what I want to do. Like I want to work with players and I want to coach. And so I'd actually thought about maybe volunteering at the University of Texas Women's Golf Program. Mm. Just volunteer, just getting my foot in, you know, just wanting something different, wanting something more. And then um, phone call comes from Brian Santiago saying, hey, just wanted to let you know we let Sue go. Like, yeah, you know, just pique your interest a little bit. And I was just like, oh, okay. Corey was, you know, top 20% at a top 10 law school. Like he was going to make lots of money, be a great lawyer, you know, was thriving. And, and he was actually looking at, he was in Houston at the time about looking for a job and whatever. And I called him. I said, Hey, you'll never believe, you know, like Brian called me in this job. And he says, Oh my gosh, you got to go for, it. I mean, on the spot. He said, you need to go for that. And oh, I said, wow. I was pregnant with my second child, by the this way. This is the greatest caddy moment he had had. This is the greatest caddy moment he's ever had. And I said, you're crazy. I am pregnant with our second child. Like, what are we going to do? Like, you're going to do this, like this. And, and he just like, no, he said, I can stay home. I can do this job from anywhere. I will stay home. He goes, I don't have the influence. I will never have the influence on people that you can have and that our family can have. This is mm. what he says to me at the moment. Wow. I'm not thinking that, right? Like I, He's thinking big picture. He's thinking big picture. And I'm just like, Corey, you don't know what you're doing with a, with a newborn and a two-year-old, like four-year-old. Like, no, you don't understand. He goes, Carrie, you are going for this job. This is a once in a lifetime and we want to have that impact. So I was like, okay. Okay, so we literally moved back to Utah with no job, thinking that if I don't get this job, he'll find a job. You moved without getting the job? We moved without getting the job. Oh, wow. So it was actually one of the uh, a point, like we kind of came to each other and said, hey, I need to talk to you about something. And he's like, good, because I need to talk about you or something. And so I went to him and said, I just think we should move back to Utah. And he goes, that's exactly what I want to talk to you about. I think we should move back to Utah. No job, no mm. nothing. And he says, if you no get- No guarantees. No guarantees. He said, if you get this job, we'll do this. And if not- I will search. You're yes. right. So again, the, you go with no parachute. Yeah. Again, we go with no parachute. Mm -hmm. We just felt that it was what we were supposed to do. Hmm. And so we went and we had my daughter who had no cousins, no family. We, we missed family. It had been four years. We, we had missed family. So we moved back and we move, you know, to my parents' basement and just say, okay, let's go. Let's go find jobs. Right. Like, let's go see how this happens. And, <laughs> and the, the coaching job took a lot of time. Like they, it was a long process from start to finish. And um, throughout the whole process, I felt like it was what I was supposed to do. Honestly, I mm. felt like I was going to get the job. Um, I didn't have coaching experience. I had played. I had taught. Obviously knew the game very well, but not coaching Division One. Um, and, you know, had my interview um, and a couple, a couple key 
things there. When when I met with Brian Santiago, I mean, I was pregnant. I mean, it's 20, 20. I was going to have to miss the first semester. I couldn't travel. That's the like, most ideal job interview ever. Yeah. Hi, I'm, I'm pregnant. pregnant. Yeah. yeah. So literally he's due in October. And so I'm not going to be able to travel the first semester of my job. And I was really nervous. I didn't know what to do. Like, should I say something? Should I not? And so I consulted lots of people and majority of people told me no. Do not say a thing. My mother. About not being able to travel? No, about being pregnant. Don't tell them you're pregnant. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it could affect you getting the job. Let me get the job and yeah. then we'll negotiate. Then that. we'll tell you I'm pregnant. I could and see that angle. It's a little yeah. nerve wracking, yeah. right? Like, like, should I tell? Should I not? And obviously deep down, I thought I should tell. I was just afraid to tell because mm-hmm. I might not get the job. And so I, I remember meeting with everybody and then meeting with Brian. I said, and at the end, I said, Brian, I kind of walked out and I walked back. And I said, Brian, one more thing. I said, I just need to let you know I'm, I'm 20 weeks pregnant and I'm going to have this baby in October. You know, and I said, this is really hard for me because I don't want, you know, to affect whatever. And he just said, he looked at me, said, this changes nothing. And I said, really? And he goes, no, nothing at all. Like, thank you for telling me. Thank you for being honest. Right. And, I, and then I expressed how worried I was to tell him. And he told me that he immediately went to Tom and said, we've got our girl because I know she'll be honest with me and everything. Mm. And so maybe that, you know, that's what helped me. So then I had to go meet with a 70. Um, and so here I am, a mother of about two going to work full time. And that is not what we preach, right? At least at the time, that was not a thing that you did. I mean, mothers stayed home, right? They did not work. Um, your kids are going to be messed up, right? So super nervous. We kind of had our plan of attack. Like, okay, what is he going to say? Like, how's this going to go? Like, I guess this maybe will help us understand if we're doing the right thing. You Can know? I ask you who it was? Uh, um, Larry Lawrence. Yeah. And so we walked in and he said, tell me about yourselves. You know, so we just said like, you know, here we are. This is our life. He, doing this. He went to law school. I'm pregnant. You know, we just feel this is what we should do. And he said, wow. He goes, that's super cool. He goes, I just quit my job so that my wife could go to work. He goes, I'm at home doing the laundry, doing all this. And I, my mouth dropped. What? I was like, wow, you're kidding me. He's like, no. He said, my, it's time for my wife to thrive. And he was older and whatever, but still he had made that decision that his wife should now, whatever. And I was just like, if that wasn't a confirmation, I mean, we just walked out of there going, this is exactly what we are supposed to do. And then I got the job offer, you know, late, late, <laughs> kind of sent me back a little bit. And that's how I got the job offer. But wow. anyways, that's was the long answer to what was next. So when you get the job at yeah. BYU, yeah. certain amount of confidence gained from that, like you talked about. Absolutely. Like, again, it feels like in your life you've you've picked your why and you've worked super hard and you failed and then succeeded and yeah. tried, tried, tried. Here we are again. But now you have to have to actually coach the team. Yeah. And you said, I hadn't coached before. Yeah. So what was that first, those first couple of years like as you figure out how to establish what every coach wants, certain yeah. culture, a certain yep. mindset, a certain, how did you establish that? Because you've now have one of the premier golf programs in the country. That doesn't come easily. No, what did it take? A lot of work. Yeah. A lot of work, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of late nights, a lot of early mornings, um, and a lot of homework. A lot of homework. I, I listened to the one you did with Jen Rockwood, and same thing. I read book after book after book. I was constantly on the internet researching, researching cultures. And I was unique to where my high school basketball coach um, always called me a coach on the floor. I was a coach on the floor. I was just always coaching and, and whatever. And Hold so on. I state champ, state player champ. of the year, right? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, MVP uh, <laughs> sophomore year. We were undefeated. There's another you story. You were the MVP we'll, or sophomore year? I was year? MVP. 
I talk about clutch performances. You're like, was that the number one clutch performance? State championship, I was unconscious. Like averaged like 25 points. Um, (laughs) I mean, there was a game where I don't think the ball hit the rim. Oh my gosh. It was literally just. It was either air ball or. No, I'm just Yeah, (laughs) air ball or swish. (laughs) Literally unconscious. Wait, did you have a chance to be a college basketball player? Yeah, I could have. I I wasn't heavily recruited because I was golf, right? Like I'd made the choice to play golf. But I did talk to Trent. Is that his name? Whoever was the coach here. I talked to him about possibly Mm -hmm. playing both. And he was game for it. He's like, send me some video, you know, like, let's talk about it, like, whatever. And then I kind of made the choice, like, this is crazy. I can't do It'd both. Be too hard. This is too hard. But I talked to Judkins later about it, and he goes, dude, I totally would have let you. Like, oh. no questions asked. So that would have been cool, you know. And um, You would have been on the uh, Sweet 16 team. I would have been on the Sweet 16. Maybe an Elite 8 team with you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? No. Um, I would have been a great bench player. But um, – <laughs> It wasn't possible with golf, you know, like volleyball and basketball, they can go, but it just wasn't possible. And I knew I could have a career in golf, not basketball, right? Like it just, WNBA, I don't even think, very new. Yeah, it I was think like in five high school, or seven years old. Yeah, yeah. and so it, like wasn't a, it wasn't a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I knew golf was always going to be a thing. Um, so yeah, state championship, but yeah, that, that state, uh, for some reason, I remember, so we were at UVU. And before one of the games, you know, we're UBSC, back. UBSC, come on. Yeah, yeah, UBSC. <laughs> and we're back waiting for the game to get off. And yep. there were some hoops lowered. And I remember looking at the rim and literally my conscious thought was, wow, that hoop is huge. I didn't realize the hoop was that big. This was my thought before the game. Subconscious thought. I was like, wow, that's, that's, and li- that's the game I didn't miss. Like, literally, it was. Do you remember your stat line? No, but I had 20-something, like mid-high so 20s. Like- yeah. Nine for nine or something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I have video. You can watch it. Oh, like it doesn't even I want to see it. It's just whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. yeah. Um I don't they, have a DVD player anymore. <laughs> no, VHS. <laughs> it's not even DVD. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. This is this is mid to late nineties at this point. Uh-huh. Ninety six. Yeah. Ninety six. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And well, crazy enough, I actually fouled out early fourth quarter. I had eighteen points, I think. And it was I had th- I don't know, I, I didn't foul her. 100%. It was not a foul. And he called me a foul. I don't know why I was in the game, though. And pulled me out. And I was like, oh. But my best friend, who was the other point guard, stepped up, took, was point guard. And she just controlled the game from there. And we had a big enough lead, too. And she just, she rocked it, man. She And we, yeah, we were state champs. Didn't lose a game. You fouled out in the state then. I fouled out. <laughs> and I've, I didn't foul out in any game, ever. Oh. But I was. Shoot. It was, I was going to take over that game and win that game. Like. And I wow. had for three quarters. Yeah, I interrupted you. Um, yeah. You were talking about sort of establishing the culture and the first okay, couple years. Okay, let's go back to the coach. culture. Yes. So I knew what a good culture needed to be, I felt like. Um, based, I knew Based on what? Um, just myself and growing up and being an athlete mm-hmm. and being a part of different teams and seeing how it works. And my mother, right, like teaching me that positivity works and belief and I knew I could make them better golfers, and I knew I could get them to believe in themselves. And that was the core of my culture, right? Belief, get make them better, but also have a united team. I wanted a very united team. Um, and it was a very difficult road. It took me six years to get my own players because I had a redshirt player. Um, and it was a very, very difficult road. It was a very um, – yeah, it was difficult, Let's just put it that way. We had some article violations. We had people that didn't want to buy in. You know what I mean? I mean, it was a very different system than with the other coach, but I believed in it. And I was probably a little too much controlling, maybe, 
um, at, at first. And so I learned and adjusted and, but they knew I cared and they knew I cared, I cared about them and wanted to make things right with them. And so that was established very early on, right? Like coach cares, right? Um, and made plenty of mistakes and still make mistakes, still try to do better. But from the beginning knew that culture of make them better, help them believe, be united, right? And that's our cultures is work ethic, mental toughness, team unity. And, and we've, we've stuck to that from the beginning. What do you love about being a coach? And then what's hard? The relationships with the girls. I love it. I love creating and I love helping them get better. I love seeing their improvement, helping them where they didn't know, teaching them something, watching them go work their butt off at it and perfect it and then get better and and just doing things that they thought they couldn't do, but I knew they could, you know, and know they can just keep going. Um, I love to see them go from just okay to just amazing. Um, And I love those relationships, the relationships that you form. Um, I just had a former player in town for the weekend and you know, she's been done four or five years and just, it, it just, those relationships, what you go through and what you help them. And, and it's, it's awesome. And the, the most difficult, um, is when it doesn't work, you know, and, and it's difficult to recruit and it's difficult. Um, it, it's tough when, cause you're not always going to help everybody. Like that's just reality. You just can't help everybody. You're not going to click. And so it's hard and it's hard when it doesn't maybe click as fast for some people as others. And so it's hard and it's hard to, to see that. And it's hard just the day-to-day grind. And it, it's a lot of, it's a good pressure. It's a good stress, but there's a lot of stress and pressure in coaching. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. And, and one of my favorite things about BYU is how good the athletes are, how good the coaches are. Yeah. Specifically the women's side. I think every single coach yeah. is awesome. Yeah. And I, I dare say this is the best of women's programs that BYU have ever been collectively as a group. I mean, it's insane. Everybody's ranked in the fall. It's just stupid good, which is so fun. And credit to Tom Homo. He somehow, he he, he is an amazing leader and mentor. Yeah, I never want him to leave. I'm always learning, growing, how he makes decisions and how he somehow, you know, hires great hires. He was in a meeting here a couple years ago. I've never talked about this publicly, where we basically said, uh, and I say I say we in sports we were like what uh, <laughs> we're gonna do we're gonna broadcast all the games of we te- of the teams we do but what this means is sometimes it's gonna be on the app only this was totally new uh-huh. instead of on TV it's okay. like well what and everyone in that room almost everybody was upset yeah interesting even some of us in sports were like excuse me yeah interesting Tom Homo says no this is how it is this is where it's going we got to do it let's wow. go and it was like. Oh, it just has the vision. And like, he just yes. has the right attitude about yes. it. And like, all right, if this is what we have to do, we have to do. Yes. And the culminating moment of that is, all right, doing what it took to get BYU in the Big 12. Yes. 2016, that felt like a slap in the face. Yes. Why? What? We were just shown around and then kicked to the curb? Like, yeah. was this just to negotiate a new TV deal? Like, that's what it felt like. Nope. BYU had auditioned yeah. once. It barely had to audition again. Right. And got in. As the first team. Right. It was just crazy. Um, yeah. What's Big 12 women's golf like? What, oh, the, wow. Oklahoma State now. What's Woo! up? <laughs> Woo! They were in the national finals. Um, Baylor, sixth. Um, New, uh, Oklahoma State, I think, maybe second. Um, but we've beaten everybody else, so which is a positive. Um, and we've got a 
we've we you know yeah we're 23 but we got to get better right um if we want to win the big 12 i mean we're gonna have to play some good golf i think we can um and the, the only difference is it's deeper right like pepperdine's always top 20 like legit men and women's golf yeah so good. like pepperdine's always really good and so we found a way to beat them and it's not just that we have to beat one pepperdine now we we got to beat 10 pepperdines now you know what i mean so mm-hmm. more people can play well that week um and so you know we're gonna get ready let's go <laughs> you know let's let's find a way tell me about the evolution of polynesian girls golf it's because awesome. in utah it's growing so much and you have several Huge. players who are polynesian and like 10 20 years ago this would not have happened obviously nope. like tony finau is yeah a big player and sort of this like hey yeah it's not just white men, which right. traditionally that's what golf was forever. Exactly. It's more than that. And it's yeah. fun to see your team be representative of how golf yeah. is growing. Yes. And and Finau's been a huge um, a part of that. I had Annika four years ago. She was Polynesian play for me. And then these little girls, you know, and, and <laughs> they're these and I love the culture. Love the culture. Love the people. They're so chill, but they work hard, appreciate life. They're very grateful. And yeah, he's just I mean, it's gonna boom. It it's it's gonna go crazy, yeah. And he's hung out with your team all the time, yeah. No, I shouldn't say all the time, but he's always at, when he's at Fox Hollow. Um, we see him a lot at Fox Hollow, and which he's, is like the you guys have a facility out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which so is that's cool. where our short game facility is, an indoor facility at Fox Hollow. Yeah, and he uses it like when he's in town. That's where he practices. That's awesome. And he's so nice. Like he is normal Joe, which is pretty cool. It's very his, cool. Yeah, he's very down to earth, very kind. Yes, yeah. we on BYU Sports Station, we update his scores. Yeah, you know, we absolutely. we just absolutely you root. We for, say adopted yep. Coog. Yeah, there you go. I know he plays it on both sides yeah, of the fence with the yeah, Utes and Cougs, definitely but does. he's too nice not to like. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you've been to the NCAA championships a couple times, and you guys are so good. Uh, they had to change the rules for you a couple yeah, of years crazy. in Sunday play. Walk us through that story because that's that was wild. BYU upsetting the apple cart and yeah. you got in. That was wild, honestly wild. I didn't expect how wild it would be. I mean, and if you think about it, at that time there was not there weren't any sports going on, so we literally were the talk. Like you should talk to Duff Tittle. He says like we were the team being talked about. We oh. were the most talked about team. Yeah, on BYU Sports Nation, we're eating it up. We we're had like, let's dis- go. We had disrupted the world, and it was interesting. You know, like when people would talk to me, they they wanted to get me to say something, right? That w- that was gonna, you know, cause a, cause an issue, and I just wouldn't do it because one, I didn't care. I wanted to play. We wanted to try to win a championship. Like that's why we were going. And I remember a guy from the golf channel. That's not how you really feel, is it, Coach? And I said, Yeah, it is. <laughs> and then I asked him, Well, why don't you tell me how I'm supposed to feel? Like, what do you think I'm feeling? Like, I literally just want a chance. My team has earned this right to play. We just want to play, you know, like, no, we weren't going to pick it. We weren't, you know, that's not what we were doing. We just wanted to play in the championship. We weren't the ones that changed it. You changed it, you know, like, and so it was, it was interesting how, and I had coaches reach out like, Hey, are you going to play? And I was like, why wouldn't we play? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're going to play. Um, and we had several teams that weren't for it, and but we had several that were. Will you remind people of the situation? For yeah. So 2016, remember? we, we went, um, so you have to be one of the top like fifty teams to make it to regionals. Top six from each regional make it. And Leah Garner, my assistant coach, who um, boy, we were down with nine holes to play. I think we were down like six, seven, eight. 
And I literally remember in my head saying, because Leah was the one that championed this team, like, coach, we're going to nationals. I said, okay, you take us there kind of at the beginning of the year. So I remember with nine holes left in my head, I said, okay, Leah Garner, like, if you want to go to nationals, you better take us there. Like, this better – and I didn't tell her that, but in my head. Mm. And she literally – I think she took third in the tournament. So she was our final player coming through. And we literally on – let's see, it was 18, 17, 16, 15. Short, short par four. Brutal of a hole. Girl goes through doubles. Our next girl triples. And I'm like, we're, we're done. We've just shot ourselves in the foot. And I look on the scoreboard, and we're down two. And I'm like, how is this happening? So Houston is before us, choking their guts out. They went eight over or something on the last hole. So I was like, oh my gosh, we got a chance. It's like Q school, really. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. So, you know, we're two down. My fifth player goes and and it counts for the day and, and birdie's 18. So, and then all of a sudden we go like four under or something in the last three holes. So it comes down to Leah Garner. We're, we're in it by one. She three putts from seven feet for birdie. So she makes a bogey on 17. And you are like, are you kidding? You two putt and we're in. Like, what are you doing? And my assistant coach was with her. And then on 18, I was on 18 helping everybody come through. She pipes it in the fairway. And I I went up to my assistant coach. I should have trusted her, but I was like, get out of here. I've got this. So she wanted to hit the seven. I tell her to hit six. I said, you got to hit six. And she pipes it. She's got, she's got 10 feet, probably the best six iron she's ever hit. And I get criticized for this, but it worked. And I said, don't look at the scoreboard. Just putt it, you know, like just don't look at the scoreboard. Just putt because it's we're tied. This is to send us to Nationals or a playoff. But you're not telling her. But I'm not we're telling tied. her. I'm not telling her we're tied. Mm. Um, in an attempt to release the pressure. I don't know. Just yeah, just play like just, it, it's just a go. ten footer. Just putt. The, read the putt and putt the ten footer. And so it actually made her a little bit more nervous. She said, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, you're gonna be nervous either way. Yes. You're gonna shake either way. Sure. So. We both, me and my assistant coach, were reading this putt every which way. From behind the ball, it looks like it's going to go right. From the other way, it looks like it's going to go left. Literally. it's We see both sides, and all of us see it. And I said, I think you should play it straight. You know, like, I think you should play it straight. And I said, but go with what you think. So she lines up over it, and I guess my assistant coach said she smiled, like, right before she putted it. And... And, we, and she asked her, she said, why did you smile? She goes, because I knew I was going to make it. Ooh. And drains it, and we go crazy. Like, even the Oregon coach was playing with it. She goes, that was probably the most spectacular moment of my career, seeing that putt go in and you guys make it. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, it was that exciting. So anyway, so we qualify for nationals. It's on a Sunday. So the third round or whatever is on a Sunday, and we can't play on Sunday. Right. So the provision that they make for us is after our practice round, we play our Sunday round, and everybody has to play by themselves. So we tee off singles, and you play by yourself, and you have like a marker there, but it's just you. So we play our practice round. It takes six hours to play the practice round. Six hours. And I'm just going, oh, my gosh. Okay, let's go. You know what I mean? And everybody is watching. There's a hundred people at the at the first tee. Oh my! Wondering gosh. how this is gonna go. And, and you're this big story. We are the huge story. You're because it's the story. first time it's ever happened, which, right? Which the, the NCA agreed a long time yes. ago. Okay, we will. Yes. Uh, you know, allow BYU yes. to not play on Sunday and this whole thing, which we really appreciate. Hundred percent. Legally, they have to they uphold. Have to. There's a they religious observance there, right? Yeah. yeah. So now this is what. 
Carrie, this is one of the rare instances yeah. where it actually comes into play. Yeah. Right? Very rare. <laughs> so, and it's and we're the ones, we're the guinea pigs. See how it goes. So we tee off, and one of my players shoots two under. Another player shot like even, but I had I had our, our conference play of the year kind of struggled that week. Um and and so we I can't remember how we did our it wasn't great. And so we kind of got done. We didn't know what to expect. There was a little bit more pressure on us than we anticipated. Like everyone's watching us. We didn't anticipate that. A free throw with no one at the line. Yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah. Like hard. It, it was yeah. just like, yeah, it's you and everyone's watching you. And so it was a little bit more than we expected. We didn't know what to expect. We'd never been there, done that. We didn't think people would care. Like, why do you care? You know, but they did. And, um, yeah, so we played. And then literally on Sunday, we went for a drive. We drove around and we watched as we knew the team wasn't going to qualify for the next step. But individually, I mean, I had a girl shoot two under. So she is just climbing the board, not even playing because she had shot two <laughs> under and she advanced. She actually was one of the individuals that advanced and got to play. Um, but it was a super unique experience. And, and I think as you've seen, it's been a tough round for BYU men's and women's to, to adapt to um, and try to get them ready for. I've had individuals do it very well, but as a team, we haven't handled it as well. And if we would have shot our average score, for the year, we would have made match play just mm. to give you a frame of reference of yeah. it's difficult. You wanted more. Yeah. And certainly that's that's the goal. How's the team this year? Good. Really good. Yeah, they're ballers. So far, so good. So far, so good. Yeah, they're really good players. And just got to keep the ball rolling. We have very good players at home that, that yeah, weren't eligible, now are eligible. And, and, and it's, yeah, we're very deep. That's exciting. Yeah, it's a very good year. Fall season's done. Spring, yeah, summer season will comes. be here before we know yeah, it. Yeah, which is super exciting. What does the Smarty Streets deal mean to you? It's and incredible. The women's athletes. Yeah, year? it's incredible that they that they're acknowledged, right? That they're athletes, but the athletes who are committed and work hard as well, right? And and that the women athletes. I mean, they're we've talked about how phenomenal they are here, and but but for them to get that recognition and to be recognized is huge. Yeah, to to be like yeah. You work hard too. It's awesome. It's fantastic. Yeah. And they definitely deserve it. And 100% they you wore it. the shoes. I wore the into shoes. Into the studio today. Yes. They're so good. <laughs> Some Jordan 1s. Uh, so Jordan good. Ones, like the Royal, Royal and White, right? White. Ugh. Championship blue, not Royal. Championship I, I, blue. I Tell you know me what? the difference. Royal. I mean, we win championships. So every last round, we were Royal. And so when me and Brian Santiago came up with that uh, at Conference Championship, we had 11 shot lead. And it was just like we all went and painted our toes royal, championship blue. Brian Royal, included? Brian included, painted his toes blue. <laughs> uh, that's great. Championship blue, and that's where we came up with it, like championship blue. So royal is championship blue? Royal is championship blue. Nike now has claimed that navy is championship blue. Do you see they, they're coming no. out with some dunk high, navy dunk highs that are championship blue? And I'm like, why didn't I, you know, go whatever that is, trademark yeah. it or whatever. But royal is, is championship blue. I yeah, like that. That's we win good to know. championships in Royal. Okay, I'm going to do that. Think about the football team. They play good in Royal. Yes, they do. Yes, Navy, they do. Navy, not so much. Mm. Oh, you're not a Navy fan? I'm I'm growing to Navy. We actually wear an all-Navy outfit, white shoes, Navy, Navy, white hat, and it's slick, Rick. Ooh, you we like look, the football team. We look Billy good. Nixon. Every week you're going, what hat, yes. what shirt. Yes. <laughs> what, we look what good. Skirt, yeah, look good, play good. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, you're just so it's like, growing on me. I Navy's need, growing on I me. I need the women's golf uh, social handles to be posting. Hey, we're wearing this at this yeah, tournament. Well, you know what? But, and you're oh, day by day, idea. right? 
Yeah, do you day bring, by day. Do you bring four different no, or three different? No, because we play 36 usually. Oh, so we okay. wear the same outfit for two rounds. So we'll have a practice round outfit, day one outfit, day two outfit. Okay, yeah. so three outfits. Yeah. Including championship. Unless it's the three rounds and then we'll have four. Yes. But we will definitely do that. Okay. That is. I like that. That's brilliant. Because football, it's a big deal every week. Yeah. Ooh, what are they wearing? What are they wearing? Right. We're wearing this. That's actually a very good idea. I it's think people crazy will like that. how much, yeah, fashion is Matters. a deal, right? Yeah. In recruiting, is that a deal? In yeah, golf? Yeah, Nike. I this mean, is what, hey, we got Nike, yeah. what's up? Yeah, Nike swag, Nike clothes. I don't know much about this. Like, do So do other schools have like a ping deal for their golf team? Or is it the whole program is like Under Armour, obviously, or whatever, and yeah, then they have that? it's different. Yeah, different. So, so it's more the, the non-golf brands that correct. cover golf on correct. that? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and Ping does a few schools. Like, gotcha. they'll give us bags, but. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, I guess you could have, you have all kinds of apparel that's different. Yeah, because golf is just so different, and Nike's kind of getting out of it. But we do do Nike apparel, Nike golf shoes. But you have other non-Nike stuff? Correct. So we'll have Ping golf bags. Gotcha. Um, is the golf ball Nike? No. They don't make them anymore, They don't, don't make them? Okay. Titleist. Titleist. Oh, yeah. so you Ping and Titleist and Nike? Yeah. You're the only team on campus probably with something like yes, that, maybe, correct. right? Because I could see where volleyball is like, we're Asics, uh, yeah. shoot. Nope, they're Nike No, shoe, they're right? Nike. Okay, that's We're probably, yeah, one of because that's why we're not on the Nike sign on the SAB. Have you noticed? You're not on the Nike No golfer. Sign. Because we also wear other things. You're not full But we Nike. are mostly Nike. We're more Nike yeah. than the men's team because I think they get bigger deals from Foot Joy and Ping. Like Bruce has a couple of those contracts. Gotcha. Um, Interesting. But we wear all Nike for Golf's sure. Golf's different that way. Yeah. How's golf. your golf game still? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I wish it was better. You know, it, you would probably think it was good, but it, to my standard, it's not awesome. Mm. I wish I could play more and just, but you know, that's my competitive fire. I don't like being not good. Yep. Nope. I know. But you're it's fun to compete. Like me and my assistant coach went out last week and we're taking on best balls and you know what I mean. Yeah. Like it's super fun. Here's how I knew you were competitive when. So we went, saw each other at RC Willie. Oh, yeah. You and Corey and yeah. my wife and kids were there. <laughs> we're both shopping for couches, whatever. You come into BYU Sports Nation like months later or whatever. And <laughs> as you're walking out, you say, hey, I bet my couch is softer than yours. I promise. If you sat on my couch, it would be softer than yours. I was like, whoa, that's competitive. <laughs> Everything's a competition. That was... That's what my girls will tell you. Everything's a competition. Off the line's a competition. Eating's a competition. Like, I don't know. It's just fun to me. It's fun to compete. Like, who can eat dinner fastest? Like, I don't know why that's <laughs> fun to me, but everything, you know, and I always joke with my kids, like, don't you, you know, don't you think I'm the best quarterback in the family? Like, I think I'm the best quarterback in the family. <laughs> what? I'm, you're not the best quarterback in the family. You know, it's that's like, hilarious. yeah, everything's a competition. It's just fun. Well, best of luck with everything. Thank we, you. Uh, we certainly love watching your team and Thanks. they are an amazing group. And uh, you guys have won a bunch of conference championships, yeah. and it's awesome to watch. Sure, sat here and talked about them. They're awesome. That'll be the good next people. One. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks yeah. for coming in. Appreciate thanks, appreciate it. it. Thanks for having me on. It's super cool. Okay, that'll do it for us. Listen to previous episodes on the BYU Radio app or where podcasts are found. Just search Deep Blue for Carrie Roberts and producer Tanner Graff, Trent Rhymeshusel. I'm Jerem Jordan. You've just listened to Deep Blue on BYU Radio. <laughs>